What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 231 of the Justin Inside podcast, a show where we talk to people in the world of alternative music and their journey through it. As always, my name is Tim Beck. I am your host and guide through said podcast. And yeah, we're good. We're rocking and rolling. Um, not really a whole lot to report to yourselves this week, so going to keep this little intro short and sweet. But gigs are coming back thick and fast for 2023 as of next week. Um, I'm going to be going and seeing my friends and former guests on the show, No Relief. So Ethan, who was on the show a few weeks ago, uh, they're playing a show here in Bristol uh, on Wednesday this week. So the day after this comes out. And then we'll be on a little weekender with good friends of the show Punch On. Uh, they're playing Bristol, no, near said Newcastle, not Newcastle, Norwich and Southampton. So if you're at any of those shows, come say hi. Um, but yeah, nothing strange or startling to report from me this week. So we're going to get on to our beautiful, beautiful guest this week. And I am joined by vocalist and guitarist of post-hardcore punk band, uh, other half, Cal Hudson. Um, Cal was kind enough to take his, some time out of his time, time out of his time? time out of his day to have a little chat with me um about all things other half how they're kind of gearing up for uh, another uk tour in the next couple of months how the band have kind of progressed even though they've technically been a band for nearly 10 years but it's only been over the last couple of years that that they've really sort of gained recognition and sort of put their focus into it i had a little fanboy moment about cow's uh previous band man bear pig who we get into the depths of, of how that came about and the, the journey of that. And as always, there's so much more in between all of that. So yeah, please sit back, enjoy the chat I have with Cal, and I'll see you on the other side. Thank you for rearranging. I know I think last time when we had it scheduled in, I think there was conflicts and stuff that Thank you for for getting around to doing it again. I mean, if you call my my mum's birthday a conflict, <laughs> which I wouldn't usually, but I thought pr- pr- probably should go see her. Yeah, really. no, no. But I appreciate you taking the time to to take out and have a little chat with me. I really do. Um, I'm just going to go sort of straight into it. Obviously, with other half, like you guys, kind of obviously ended 2022 in a, in a pretty big way. Obviously, new album came out, ended with a tour with Modern Rituals and stuff. Have you kind of had time to sort of decompress and and let let it settle and kind of soak everything in now? I mean, I I think that whole thing is a difficult thing anyway because I think with albums and the fact that you record something months and months and months prior to it and then you sort of do all the waiting around until that point and it comes out it it always feels like <clears throat> just a constant continuation if yeah. you know what I mean. We've never had like a a load of time off not doing anything so I think we've got pretty good at you know just uh cracking on for better or worse and whether or not we ever uh actually take stock of anything but uh if yeah I mean it feels pretty good just having all these things happening and then you know they keep <laughs> happening as well yeah. we've got another biggish tour for us anyway um in a month or yeah. two so in answer to it not not really I haven't really, <laughs> really, I haven't really really taken a second to take it all in but I think as a rule 
it, you know, we just carry on enjoying yeah, it yeah. as we've always done. So, yeah, it's good. And because obviously, like, I think, was it was it late November they came out or early December the, the record came out? It was it was early December. Yeah. So it was in that strange time when no one else puts out records. Well, that, that so, was what I was going to ask, because obviously, despite that, it still got a lot of kind of like eyes on it and and people sort of reacting mm-hmm. to it and I, I remember seeing like friends of friends sort of like posting about it and things like that so mm-hmm. i don't know do you think that kind of worked in your favor that that because december is a little bit of a a dead month for for new music mm-hmm. and like you've got people like myself who are putting their albums of the year list together and all that that you kind of like managed to slide in and be like hey we, we've got this shiny new thing over here i mean i think it definitely helped in our favor because realistically i don't know how many end of year lists we would have made anyway but the fact that nothing really came out that week it came out and then we were like stereo gums album of the week mm. i think a lot of that was probably to do that there was nothing else <laughs> but it did mean that the the person from stereo gum actually gave it a proper listen really enjoyed it by the sound of it and was just sort of something that we never expected yeah yeah so yeah little things like that where people maybe didn't have anything else to listen to so they were forced into listening to us and a few people liked it and got it so yeah that felt pretty pretty incredible I think well how I like to sort of get into this like properly is I always like to take my guests back to to their roots and their their origins so to say so Mm -hmm. I always kind of like open it up with asking like what kind of got you into alternative music like what was your gateway into it I mean, it depends how deep we're going there. The first album I ever bought was uh, The Offspring from the car boot. And up until that point, I don't know, I've kind of just sort of listened to whatever my dad was listening to. And mostly dad listened to pretty good stuff. And But he, I think even he got sucked into uh, New Metal when (laughs) New Metal came along. And and I, I, I was taken by it, but never really took to it as much as I took to the offspring and it just felt like even now looking back on it it maybe doesn't feel like the most sincere thing in the world but like at that time I thought like oh no this seems a hundred times more sincere than like the rest of the things that were sort of circulating at the time then so yeah that album meant an awful lot to me then I've listened back to it now and there's there's some bits hold up some bits don't hold up quite as much but I think that's the first thing that made me aware of what punk was maybe and so what kind of like drew you to it was it just like you saw the album cover and thought oh that's a little bit different or had you kind of heard songs and then you were just like oh I'll, I'll grab the record sort of thing I mean, sadly, the first offspring song I heard was Original Prankster, yeah, which yeah. is an absolute stinker. But uh, my my dad had bought that on single. And then I think it was the first time where I actually went, oh, I want to buy this music for myself. And like, rather than listening through like whatever was on in the house at the time, I went, I want this one and I want to listen to this. And I yeah bought uh, Americana at the, at the car boot. And I think it sounded so alien to me (laughs) and to be honest a lot of it sounds pretty alien to most things even listening back on it but I just uh, yeah it 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 hit me in a way that maybe nothing had beforehand and uh yeah led me to realize that there was lots of other things going Mm. on I mean it's still before like after that I then went into my big 
indie landfill right, phase, okay. which took up a, a lot of my time. So I think it was like I came to punk and then went into that, which obviously had a lot of leaning into punk in certain places, but then coming back after that as well. Yeah. To, uh, to uh, yeah, I don't know really what I was doing <laughs> that, to be perfectly honest. But... So uh, you said about obviously like going through like the, the indie landfill like sort of, mm. sort of face and i think i don't know like how old are you if you don't mind me asking i'm 30. okay so you're a little bit younger than me but i think like a lot mm. of people sort of our generation who ha- had maybe like were introduced to like metal and punk and things like in our in our mm-hmm. teens and stuff did kind of go like oh that that's something new when like the whole the whole mm. indie landfill stuff kind of came about so like who were your who were your bands that you like really like sort of like lean towards it in that sort of world yeah i still think a lot of that stands up like block party would have yeah. been a big one which i still think that first album is about as impeccable as you can yeah yeah get for an album and it's it goes down like all the the weird roots it's got all like the the post-punky like leaning stuff and all like the and all the weird guitars and like the the all the angular stuff which i sort of really lent into um other things that I really, really liked at the time, the Young Knives, yeah. who were a bit of a, a weird outlier and sort of like really lent into that horrible Middle English <laughs> shtick. Yeah. But I just thought like, I think it, it was all the all the angular stuff that I really was really drawn to. And actually then as well, uh, a band called Johnny Foreigner, yeah. who I've since, so I saw them when I was like 15 at a festival. And the fact that, you know, they were playing like, indie rock but they're playing it with like a load of distortion over the top and he was like tapping and not using a plectrum which still blows my mind how <laughs> anyone would want to ever not use a plectrum and like things like that where i became very attached to them and then what 10 15 years later we we've ended up supporting them and becoming friends with them and everything yeah so, yeah and the yeah realizing the overspill of like all that indie stuff was just is so connected to an awful lot of the stuff that I maybe hold a bit, you know, closer yeah, to yeah. nowadays. Anyway. So, like, how did you kind of get into that world then? Like, would, did, had someone kind of introduced you to, like, bands and stuff? Or, like, I guess, like, going from, like, picking up that Offspring CD, were you then just sort of, like, as you said, like, your dad was kind of into, like, music as well. Mm-hmm. So were you one of these people that was like constantly searching for music or was were you more somebody introduced you to those kind of things? I think luckily it was, yeah, mostly my dad. He was kind enough to take me to, so that our local festival was Latitude Festival, which used to genuinely have like pretty exciting mm. lineups with, yeah, all sorts of stuff going on. And yeah, he'd take me and I'd, we'd go see bands and have very vague ch- chats about them. This, they, me and my dad probably aren't very good at talking or big talkers at all. And so we'll we'll see a band and then afterwards go, well, that was quite good. And that's probably <laughs> yeah. about as deep, as deep as it gets. But as soon as like we'd have that small bit of a connection saying, well, that's quite good. Dad would maybe then buy me a CD of that band or a band that he thought I might like because of that yeah. band. And so I was pretty informed by whatever my dad was listening to. But yeah, it to the point where like, I was kind of in, embarrassed for some reason to find music of my own okay. accord because I think one, 
I think one time what I used to do, I'd go to the library and I would uh, I would burn the CDs rather than actually uh, putting money into the market, which, uh, you know, everyone does it now. So it's, it's absolutely fine. But like there was one time that I uh, and this is a lot younger now, but I burnt a, a Nickelback song onto it. Oh, wow. Well. And and Dad just said, "Oh, what are you doing?" And that, I think I think that cut so deep that at that point I was like kind of embarrassed to actually reach out and try and you know figure what I actually liked myself for a few years, for for better or for worse. But you know, it, um, it's a uh, yeah. It took me a little longer to actually actively seek stuff out. I think that was only when I started going to gigs is when I really you know took an interest in what what I liked and what I wanted to, you know, find him. Yeah. So then obviously going from the kind of like indie landfill sort of stuff, as you said, like you kind of like mm-hmm. had that period and then kind of came back round to sort of like the more like punky or post-punk sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So again, like what were the kind of bands that kind of, I guess, like brought you back round to it sort of thing? Uh, funnily enough, and this is why the whole other half thing still feels really magic to me it was the when gallows first record came out and i i sort of yeah i i knew what punk and hardcore was but i'd never like actively like listened yeah. to it and so when i first heard that uh, first gallows record and first went to see them and that gig i think they played with fucked up and uh set your goals at at the UEA, which is like a, a big venue uh, in Norwich. And I suddenly realised that that world existed, not just in maybe like the small places that I daren't go, but it was like, it was a yeah that massive boom for like hardcore and stuff, which I got really caught up in anyway. And yeah, I, and now all those years later, Lags has put out one of our records. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that, 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 that to a 15 year old me, seems yeah just completely outrageous yeah yeah definitely so obviously Mm. as you said as well like obviously your your dad's kind of introducing you to music and you're kind of going like taking you to festivals and stuff like that but then in terms Mm -hmm. of you actually like playing sort of music and things like that obviously we know you now as the guitarist and vocalist of, of, of other half but was guitar always what you were drawn to or did you start with something else and then kind of go on to guitar how did your actual musical journey start i first started playing drums so this would have been maybe like year seven year eight or something like that when they were sort of like offering guitar lessons or no music lessons at school and they asked what do you want to do and i thought i thought drums are quite good i think that was just i just discovered nirvana at that yeah. point and i thought that that looked fun he hit some hard and i went to my first uh, drum lesson and the drum teacher asked me what sort of music I liked. And I said, just because the only thing I was listening to at that point in time was Nirvana, I said, oh, I love grunge. And he said, oh, you must love like um, uh, Pearl Jam. You must love, uh, what's the other big ones of that? Of that? Like Smashing Pumpkins and that uh, stuff. No, no, not that one. He, ma- he mainly asked about right, Pearl okay. Jam. I, having, ne- ha- having never heard Pearl Jam at the time, I said, yeah, I love Pearl Jam. <laughs> Turns out, I really don't like that <laughs> at all. But because once again, I was so unsure of what I liked at that time. And I just thought, oh, if you like Nirvana, you must love all grunge. But then I think my drum teacher was much more aligned with the uh, the more, yeah, yeah, grunge that I I uh, I can't abide at all. 
So I think the next lesson, my drum teacher brought a load of Pearl Jam songs to learn on drums. And uh, I think instantly just trying to keep up that, uh, that face of saying, yeah, I, I love these songs. It put me off drums. So <laughs> I, I started, I started uh, playing guitar and doing, I maybe did one guitar lesson, but then realised it's uh, much easier just fumbling around with like power chords yourself. Yeah. And uh, was probably fairly soon after that, writing my own songs, just playing, uh, well, how all best songs are, just playing on the three dots yeah. and going between the, the three dots, which make all the best songs. <laughs> so then obviously like from there, obviously you're, you're kind of like learning guitar and, and things like that. And obviously as I said, like you, you do vocals in, in other half and stuff. So mm-hmm. where did that kind of element of it come into like, if, cause I don't mean this in, in any disrespectful term, but like obviously your voice is quite unique, but it's not a traditional quote unquote singing voice sort of thing. Oh no, it's terrible. It's absolutely <laughs> awful. That, no, I'm fine with but that. Is it a case that like you've always wanted to, to have a go at singing or was it something that like latterly down the line was like a necessity of, of being in bands and you just mm. kind of took that role? So the first band that I was ever in, uh it was it was around the time that i discovered uh gallows so it was it was it was a gallows right. ripoff to to the t and uh my two of my friends uh were, did vocals for that so there were like two vocalists which was very obvious yeah, time yeah. as well um and i think i just i it never occurred to me to do vocals at that time but after that band stopped doing it and i realized it's much harder to find a drummer, a bassist, and a singer than it is just about find a, a drummer and a and a bassist. So yeah, I think it, it it was it started through necessity, but at the same time, that would have been a time that I just discovered the whole steady, right? Who are still to this day one of my favorite bands, and like discovered that that guy isn't singing; he, he's just talking. Yeah, but he's talking. You know, it's an it's impassioned talking, and like, and yeah, I really connected that in such a way. So like, I think there because also, I'd already tried, like, shouting, screaming, like doing like actual like coarse vocals, and I can't hack that either. Like my, <laughs> I, I I lose my voice, I lose my voice so quickly. So I think finding that happy medium, and I I started doing that sort of talky talky thing with the band that came after my first band which was uh man bear yeah. pig which um which i was maybe 17 18 at the yeah. time and just got caught up in maybe pretty accidentally in whatever the emo revival thing was that was going yeah, yeah, on yeah. at the time and luckily there were other bands an awful lot of bands that clearly couldn't sing as well and it was just yeah it was a right place right time for me to be trying out not singing well yeah. I suppose. <laughs> um but obviously like I'm, I'm jumping forward a little bit but because obviously through like that obviously as i say you've got that kind of like unique tone to your voice that we that we hear in the in the other half stuff and it is that kind of like almost like aggressive conversation that you're kind of like having mm. in in some aspects but do you think because obviously like i guess 
as you say, like you've had the influence of, of like the hold steady and like you've got obviously bands like fucked up that, that do it and things like that, that mm-hmm. because you've done it for such a long period of time now that you've almost kind of like honed how you want that to sound. I think so. I think, yeah, it, I've got so comfortable with it now that, yeah, it, it, I think it used to sound like I was emulating all the people that I was listening to. And I think luckily just from doing it for, yeah, the best part of 15 years now, it, it does just sort of sound like me, but just amped up a yeah. little bit. I think for when, when I was doing Man Bear Pig, I listened back to some of those recordings now and I egged up like the British accent so much. <laughs> I, obviously I have a British accent, but I think it, somehow I'd been transported to London, <laughs> even though I'm definitely very much from Norfolk and never really left. Um, but I think now, yeah, it, what comes out is I, is just what was always meant to come out. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think anyway. And yeah, it, it which is a lot nicer because it used to be something that caused me a lot of stress thinking about how I would do vo- vocals. And like at the beginning of Other Half, it started off as a band where I was trying to sing as sort of like a the antithesis to what I was doing with Man Bear Pig and quickly found out that that didn't work but so it's, it means that I've had to sort of you know try all these things again through a load of separate bands before yeah actually stumbled across what actually works is just me talking <laughs> yeah, that's cool um and as you just mentioned obviously kind of like been in Norfolk pretty much your whole life and you, as you mentioned yeah. earlier kind of going to those like bigger gigs and and stuff but I always find it interesting like where people's kind of like in entry point is in terms of like I guess the more sort of like DIY sort of world of it so obviously mm-hmm. you mentioned that that gallows gig but were you kind of going to the more sort of like local shows before that or did that kind of open that door to that world I think gallows probably was that was yeah that was where I really figured out it might actually be happening but then it was the first job I worked at, I had a co-worker who was big into DIY punk and was putting on shows and invited me along to some of the shows that were all at the time happening at the Marquee, mm. which was like just the the uh, the behind like a the back room of a pub. And once again, that was just nothing that I'd really really experienced before. And I'd always gone to you know gigs at like the Waterfront Lua, which is just like the 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 venues that all the like touring yeah. acts would do but yeah in those first few shows of going at the marquee we had some really good promoters putting on stuff then as well so I think it was like Mike Darkside who would be putting on all like the touring American hardcore bands and stuff like that and the first gig I think I went there which would have been one of his which would have been the Polar Bear Club and Title Fight yeah. and someone else uh, tour and that and like seeing just a load of strangers like going off that hard in a room like singing every word to a band that I'd only maybe just I'd maybe heard of that week and someone told me it was happening and listened to it and yeah that 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 blew my mind that that happened in like smaller circles as well as like happening in these massive yeah, rooms. yeah. so I think that changed a lot going to all those gigs and then meeting people through going to those sort of things mm. yeah blew my little mind <laughs> and i feel like i've always found like norwich to be a really like 
interesting like city in terms of like UK music because like I know I know a lot of cities take away like your big ones like your Manchester's your London's and things like that they all have ebbs and flows and stuff but I think Norwich really has it like bad like it will have like a really really high high and then a really low low and at the moment it feels like you're on and up but like I guess being part of that scene like have has it been frustrating to kind of almost have those ebbs and flows or do you just kind of like I guess kind of ride that wave I mean, yeah, having experienced it, I, uh, yeah, it, the 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 ebbs and the flows, the 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 lows were pretty big, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really low compared. Because yeah, once again, as I was saying, when I first started engaging with that sort of thing, it was massive and everyone was on board. And then what, f- three, four, five years later, it just seemed like there was nothing. We had no venues, we had no local bands. Suddenly, everyone that was involved had maybe taken a step back, and yeah, I I think it was a lot more disheartening than I ever thought it would. Because once again, it would just occur to me that that would just be something that would just remain. Mm. But then having talked to people that are a little older than me and, so, you know, figuring out that, yeah, that's definitely happened before these sort of things happen. It was then just a case of like waiting around and engaging as much with it as we could. Like, I think at that point, me and... Uh, Alfie and and everyone and few people we know were always sort of looking at the idea of starting venues when there weren't venues. Unfortunately, that's a, a, a thing that's easier said than <laughs> yeah. done. And like, but trying to trying to you know go to shows and put on shows without a venue is difficult. It's even more difficult without local bands, and it's even more difficult when no one's bringing touring bands through to even like engage people with the idea of wanting to start bands. yeah yeah so yeah i mean i think it was a, a lot of waiting around but then the last maybe it must be like the last five years now like there's just been a load of people that are suddenly engaging with it again we've got maybe a couple of decent small venues that are fairly accessible for people to put shows on and but having that time waiting for it it does feel all the more magic mm. now like and it all sort of seemed to like really happen after after the pandemic mm. and like so all these things really yeah built up to make it feel like there maybe is something pretty special going on at the moment which is nice to feel anyway. yeah and obviously in terms of like i know you you mentioned obviously like the gallows show was like a, a very sort of like pivotal one for you um but i always kind of find it like interesting so obviously you said that kind of like off the back of that, you kind of started the, the as you meant, called it like the kind of galaxy ripoff bands, but like, were you kind of doing any bands before that? Or was that kind of like your first, like quote unquote proper band? Uh, I'm so sorry. I think you, uh, we may have broken up for a bit there. So I didn't hear the tail end of your question. So you might no, have no, to no, just, no. Uh, that's cool. Back. So I just, I just said that obviously like you said that, um, off the back of going to that gallows show, you started the the, mm-hmm. the kind of like rip-offy bands. But had mm-hmm. you kind of done anything before that or was that kind of like your first quote-unquote proper band? Uh, I'd done... I think I had a an, another band in school that was... Yeah, we did a, a couple of uh, maybe like school talent shows and stuff. So I, I'd been in a band and actually our first gig, we played uh, a... Uh, it was a 
uh, open mic night at the local like rocker bar and uh, we turned up and uh, we had a, I think two of us were meant to sing a song both of us just didn't dare <laughs> so they were we we just play instrumental versions of like these plinky plonky indie songs of like four chords and we also had a keyboardist who insisted on using the banjo setting on a Casio keyboard <laughs> on all the songs and there was a song where he just decided that oh, I haven't really got much to play in this song so he was just texting on his phone while we we're playing amazing so that that was a, a pretty formative experience of like how unpleasant a gig can be so I was yeah very glad that I got that out of the way with 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 yeah bands in like high school before doing other things. Yeah. But so then in terms of like I guess you're like the the first band that was actually like doing things in terms of like actively gigging mm-hmm. and maybe recording and stuff. Was that the the Gallowsy band or was that Man Bear Pig? That that would probably be more Man Bear Pig. The band before that was maybe we did it a couple of gigs local to Norwich and that felt incredible enough. So I think we were happy to sign it off. There. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, Man Pear Pig was like pretty eye opening because that was the first time not just leaving Norwich. Cause actually I don't think we ever played any gigs outside of Norwich in the UK, but we also, but we played a, like a massive Euro, like a uh, European tour. So that, that was pretty eye opening having never played a gig outside of the UK and then, going to Europe to play was, yeah, pretty massive for us. So just obviously before I go into the the Man Bear Pig side of things a bit more, obviously Mm. for you then obviously kind of being like, I want to do a band, this is something that like could be achievable sort of thing. Was Mm. there kind of a moment that you sort of like realised like, because I always think, specifically for me like when i started going to the smaller shows i realized like oh this is something i can be involved in like i'm not musically talented but i want to be involved in it so i could book shows i could do this i could do whatever so was there like a moment when you kind of realized like oh i don't like need to be stadium band straight away i can do this from like a grassroots up sort of situation yeah i mean I, I honestly can't remember how or why it came about other than the fact that there was two other friends who were in the same uh, uh, sixth form as me who both, I knew both liked heavier mm. music and that was the time I was discovering heavy music and I don't know how it came about because I don't think I would have been confident enough, enough to ask anyone to start a band with me. So I, I assumed that they would have asked to do it and I think maybe we probably we probably got together because my other friend, my coworker, was at the time was just after bands to play the 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 nights at the in the back room mm. of the pub. So I think that's probably what made it feel like, you know, the next thing up of just being in a band is like, oh, well, we've got got a, a gig we can probably yeah. play. So why why not work towards that? And I think to be honest, in our heads we were. We went a bit overboard because I remember we asked one of our friends to uh, come be official photographer for the night <laughs> of us playing to playing to like ten people in the marquee, and I think the photographer must have taken like four hundred photos, <laughs> like all like leaning down and getting the getting the best shots. So I mean, there was probably some delusions, yeah. There. yeah. But but it, it was a nice thing that we had something to aspire to with that friend who was promoting shows yeah. at the time. So 
we knew there was something to work towards and and that was it and then after that it was just all very accidental all the all the things that came about after mm. so then obviously if we go into like the man bear pig sort of side of like part of your your journey i guess so mm. like I'm, I was trying to rack my brain before I got you on the call to try and figure out when it was, but I couldn't remember. But I vividly remember somebody sending me the link to your to your band because I was like, at that period of time, as you said, it was kind of like that like emo, screamo sort of revival sort of thing. And I was just like really hungry for all UK bands and stuff. Um, and I just remember like listening to, I, I can't remember what release it was, but just like instantly being like, oh, this is sick. Because like, again, like, because your voice was a little bit different to everything else. Because as you say, it was a lot of people who maybe couldn't sing attempting to sing, but they'd done it in their mm. own way. Like you had bands doing like the really high pitched, like screaming. You had people that did like the more kind of like Ampere, like American style stuff, but you mm -hmm. would more as as you say british about it and i've i've really liked that but i guess when man big pig started like what was your kind of like vision for it and like was it kind of anything like it ended up being or did it kind of go on a complete journey of like musical mm. change i think no way was it what i had envisioned in the first place i think this is at the time like a lot of the things i was listening to at the time now probably wouldn't go back to and enjoy <laughs> yeah. in any which way but i remember at the time that i just heard more than life yeah the yeah band. and and it was i i really attached myself to that i thought that oh wait because it was a bit melodic it was more melodic than maybe like all the hardcore stuff that i'd heard previously and i also remember him being quite bad at, at shouting as well <laughs> but not 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 bad per se but like it he it, it wasn't doing like you know yeah yeah screams or anything and that seemed like, once again, I can do that. But then when I took the uh, the songs and stuff to, when we actually started practicing, they became a lot, lot like none of us could play particularly heavy or, right, hard, okay. or, or, or like not just vocally or anything. And I think they came out completely differently to how I was imagining them. But then people started coming up to us and saying like, oh, this sounds like this, or this sounds like this. And these were bands I hadn't heard of, and then started listening to and going, "Oh, th this is yeah, good." Yeah. So I think someone said that some of the guitar reminded of Knapsack, and I went and listened to Knapsack and thought it was the best thing in the world. And then someone said that some of the guitar reminded them of uh, Leverface. I went and listened to Leverface. It was like all these things that I would have never like interacted with, but then suddenly, yeah, opening up to the things we could do with it. And then I think, although we only recorded two things so we had that first ep that was named after uh, a dubstep artist album which I, I can't recall so that was just us just hashing yeah. things out and then we recorded two songs for a split after that so maybe those two songs were more like informed by stuff that i'd listened to by proxy because people had told me that it maybe reminded of those sort yeah. of things so but yeah in answer yeah it it didn't sound like at all like what i envisaged in my head yeah it. yeah but probably probably good <laughs> in, in that fact like i'm glad it didn't end up sounding like those things because at the end of the day that yeah the bands that i keep finding myself coming back to are bands that accidentally don't sound like anything else I suppose. yeah yeah and then obviously like 
you mentioned obviously the the Euro tour and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. because at that time, like it was very, as I say, there, there was like a melting pot of like UK bands that were doing that kind of like emo screamo sort of thing. So, like before we kind of get to the Euro tour side of things, when did you kind of like realize like people were starting to to pick up on your your band? Because I think like it was very easy to also get lost in the mix of that as well, because mm-hmm. there was a lot of it. There was a lot of good stuff, but there was also a lot of shit stuff. Yeah. So when did you, was there kind of a, a moment when you realized like, Oh, people are actually interested in this than just our little bubble in Norwich. Hmm. I mean, luckily I don't think anyone likes us in Norwich. <laughs> so <laughs> so it, it felt even yeah more silly when people did uh, react to it. But I think, so Alfie, who's now drums in uh, Other Half, he was the one that sort of discovered a, a weird demo of a song that we recorded in my school that I put on MySpace. And he came along and said that he'd love to record an EP of our songs. And he popped it up, as everyone did at the time, uh, as a Mediafire link afterwards. And then I think it was after a couple of weeks, and he just said, you know, it's really good. There are like 2,000 people have downloaded this Mediafire link and listened to it. and in my head, like, what, what do you mean, two thousand people? That that's that's bigger than any room yeah, in Norwich. Yeah, yeah. We're massive. We're absolutely <laughs> massive. But like, I, I think yeah, just, just being told that that just being aware that people were actively, I think as well because it was a less passive way of listening to music then as well. You couldn't just pop it on Spotify. You have to actually download a, a link that yeah, might yeah. be really dodgy, and then sit there and listen to it. So like, just being told that yeah more than one person had downloaded it and listened to it and then I think it was a nice time for being in a fledgling band as well because everyone still had blogs and mm. stuff so people would actually actually take their time and like write about things that they they gave a shit about and yeah seeing people in completely different countries to me having just like just taking the time to write about the band and saying how the, you know they found something in it was yeah pretty miraculous yeah yeah so then as you you say like you're getting these people like writing about the band and stuff and as you said like going over to to europe before you'd kind of really even gone out of norfolk in some aspects so how did that kind of all come about and how was that experience for you that was so a band called accept the change it just uh I don't know what they certainly wouldn't have emailed us. I don't know how people got in contact then. Probably was yeah, MySpace yeah. or something or, or past that. But uh, messages saying that they were doing uh, a European tour and they were a Belgian band. Um, and they just said, We, you know, found you on something, really like it. Do you want to come support us for the whole tour? And at the time, at first I was like, No, of course not. That's not going to happen. Like, if we can't even leave, North yeah, Europe, yeah. there's no way we're, go- we're doing a full European tour with a band. Uh, but I think that was been the, about the same time that I was finishing sixth form, maybe, and didn't have a lot else to do. So we all decided to go, yeah, all right, let's let's try and do it then. But at that point, having no experience, like even being a band, like we barely understood like the etiquette of like having to bring your own guitar head to gigs <laughs> and stuff. So, like, yeah, like getting the the Eurostar over to Belgium and realizing that I hadn't brought a guitar strap. And so I had to make one out of gaffer tape <laughs> and all, all these things that were just like, it was such a, a culture shock to me as like a, an 18 year old. Yeah, yeah. And which obviously made it the most incredible experience of my life. And like 
be, being in a van and realizing that we're sitting in the van with all these adults because I think they're a little older than us and just being driven to yeah different city after different city that I'd never experienced before and even go to those cities and a few people at those in those cities know who we are was yeah just absolutely bonkers so it was not uh, an experience that I think we we dealt very well with I mean I, I think like I don't think I've ever been that drunk before just <laughs> like like for two weeks solid just thinking that, that this is, this is as good as it gets. It's never going to happen again. So I, I don't think we dealt with it in a particularly uh, professional yeah. manner. But I think at the time it was just like, yeah, one of the most amazing things that had ever happened. To yeah, me. yeah. And then, like, I'm not saying this kind of gave you, like, false pretenses or, or anything like that. But because, obviously, you've, you've gone almost, like, from zero to 100 in, in some aspects, mm. did you kind of come off that? that tour thinking like cool we've done europe so the uk is going to be a piece of piss and we're going to be able to do x y and z or did you kind of come back and just kind of think like oh that was cool like what's next i don't think we even thought what's next i genuinely just thought that oh that was a lot of fun maybe another band might ask us to do something ever again we had, there was never any intention of like doing anything ourselves <laughs> or, like actually uh like investing any time in it i think we we were all under the impression like that was a fun flip yeah yeah you know that, that might not happen and i think it was probably fairly soon after that that we broke up just because uh our base was moving to vietnam mm. so that there was yeah i it, it didn't really occur to us that it might be an option that we could do it any more than that so yeah it sort of sort of fizzled out after that it was just like a, I think we just assumed it was a nice, beautiful blur in our little young yeah. lives and it probably wouldn't happen again. And that's, so this is going to be, you probably won't remember this, but I this is going to put me in a, a little bit of an embarrassing spot. But so oh, I used to run like a, like a promotion slash label thing like back mm -hmm. in the day. And I remember obviously like being a fan of you guys. And I think, I can't remember if I was putting together like a sampler or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I messaged you guys and you were like, oh yeah, yeah, sick. Like, that'd be really cool. And then literally like a couple of months later, like you put up like, oh yeah, we're not a band anymore. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> uh, what was the the label? Uh, it was called Don't the... Shoot the Messenger. I do, I do recall <laughs> that. Sorry about that. <laughs> As I say, I think we were just the worst little people in the world and none of it made sense to us. So yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of people that we... Uh... <laughs> that we let down <laughs> professionally but obviously like from that kind of like i don't know because obviously it from what you're saying it kind of feels like it was a bit like of a whirlwind kind of like scenario so obviously when it kind of did obviously as you say like dwindle out did you kind of think like oh i know how to do a band now or did you kind of like take time to kind of like reassess or di or did man bear give you like the grounding of like oh, okay this is like the base point i now know how to like do this but i can do it better in x y and z form i don't think i ever really gave it a conscious thought mm. like that i think i think it, it was nice to know that you could do a band 
something that was probably objectively a bad band and people still like it um so I think just knowing that was enough that I knew that I'd probably carry on doing stuff and I think actually after that because I didn't like the uh the rigmarole of actually have to ask people to be in a band with them I just did acoustic stuff for a bit which was nice as well because just the the people that I'd met through Man Bear Pig meant that I could then go do the same thing quietly <laughs> with 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 all those people as well um but yeah I don't think there was like a conscious thought that oh, I'll do another band I think that only came about through boredom like three years later or something yeah. like that when I realized that playing acoustic guitar is rubbish because <laughs> you, you, can, you can hear all the mistakes and it's just you and then I think it was around that time where I just started playing with Alfie first at the time just playing some songs electrically again mm. but yeah it was it was it was never a conscious thought to oh well that was good let's carry on doing that it was just like oh that was yeah nice. yeah I'm gonna have to wait for, wait for someone else to come along and tell me to do something yeah yeah I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very passive <laughs> man um but like just before we move on the other thing that I did want to pick up on is like the fact that and this is going to going back to me thinking like Norwich is this like wonderful like mecca of music in in some ways because like obviously we've mentioned Alfie Alf and like I've been friends with Alfie for years Mm -hmm. obviously like met him through maths and stuff like that obviously I was a big fan of of Man Bear Pig you kind of had parts of Ravishol living in, in Norwich at the time you've got bands like Algae Bloom and stuff that all kind of have that more like I guess like emotive emo scream whatever you want to call it like leaning to Mm -hmm. it so I don't know like is there just something in the water in Norwich that produces these bands or is it just the 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 people that you're kind of hanging around with all have those kind of musical tastes and Mm -hmm. you just kind of rub off on each other I mean I assumed that just every town and city has all those (laughs) bands but then I but I realized I looked at like I was, I think I was looking at Algae Bloom the other day and just realizing that oh, well, in that, in those circles, they're absolutely yeah. massive. And I was like, that's well good. But I just assumed that all, all cities just had that bubbling under and all the different circles and stuff. But I guess it, it all sort of just dribbles down when all the people are like going to shows together, playing shows together. I think you, you start like taking stuff from each mm. other, if you know what I mean, in terms of influence and stuff. But I mean, I think also like, working backwards i've looked for like norwich bands that have used to exist and stuff and like i think there's luckily there's good stuff for all like all the stuff when i was a teenager that i maybe didn't fully connect with like kato and like sail on tomorrow mm. and loads and pennines and stuff that i've now gone back to and listened and go like we've we've had a good for ages <laughs> yeah. and like and there's 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 loads of pockets of of uh stuff even now where it's like bands that i think oh you're doing it really what you do really well and maybe actually you're doing it better than a lot of other play you know bands in the uk but yeah i think i've just taken it for for granted that actually yeah there are there are a lot of good bands (laughs) you're right there are it's good so then as you say like you kind of did the acoustic stuff for for a number of years and stuff so Mm-hmm. were you again was that just kind of more like Norwich based or did you kind of go around in the country and do that a bit more uh, I literally 
played in Norwich and then another European tour with that, I think. So I did exactly what I did the last time because I wouldn't want to wouldn't want to change anything. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I think I literally just did Norwich shows and then the European tour with Bad Ideas, Ducking Punches and Rob Lynch. So that that luckily, because of that tour, it was four of us and we all did it in one small yeah. car. It was kind of felt like we were in a band anyway because it didn't have that that horror of having to go to a gig by myself which I don't think I would ever commit to like I think I only ever played gigs where I knew for a fact that I would know 10 people yeah, there. yeah. so yeah that was more just of a, like a, a stopgap mm. thing that that was enjoyable enough yeah. as well so then if we get on to obviously other half like so as you said like you, you've known Alfie from him obviously recording man bear pig sort of stuff and, mm-hmm. and things like that so again like for, from the the start of the band to where we are kind of now what was the kind of like initial idea with with other half in terms of like what you wanted it to sound like and things like that so originally i think i wanted to shy away from the man bear pig thing and i was like i don't want to do that mm. again and so i wanted to sort of dig in deep through all the other stuff that I loved growing up. So I think I wanted to do like a, like a more indie leaning band. So I, I wanted to rip off Pavement and Dinosaur Jr. and things like that. And I think very quickly realized that I wasn't designed for that either. <laughs> so I think instantly yeah, started like playing with like Ben and Distortion on the guitar, realized how much you could hear all the mistakes. So turned that up quickly tried singing and then realized very quickly that that also didn't really work. So started pushing the voice a bit. Then Sophie joined the band and I played in a band with Sophie for a bit before that, which was with a group of friends. And so uh, me and Alfie invited her along to play bass as well. And I think as soon as it was, I'd never been in a band where someone else was up for doing some singing as well. So I think, I think that opened things up instantly. The fact that uh, it's probably pretty hard going listening to my voice for a, for a whole song. So the fact that the fact that Sophie can do some bits now as well was a, a nice realization. But yeah, in the in the for the that first EP we recorded, I think yeah, I was trying to play something deliberately loads more melodic than what I was doing in Mad Bear Pig. Mm. Even though looking back, Mad Bear Pig's pretty melodic. There's, there's very little like, discourse yeah, yeah, yeah. in Mad Bear Pig. So I, I didn't know those chords existed at the time. But like, I think I was still, yeah, trying to do the antithesis of that for a long time until we maybe realized maybe six years down the line that actually all the stuff that brought us together, the stuff that we all liked together was like big, stupid, heavy stuff. And we should maybe try having a, more of a pop at that than trying to, you know, grind down into this thing that we're okay at, but maybe not not brilliant. Yeah, at. yeah. And um, and then correct me if I've got my dates wrong, but other half started in like 2016. Is that right? Woof. Maybe it's it's a 10 year anniversary. So no, wait, no. So yeah, it was 10 years this year that we started yeah. the band, which is absolutely blew my mind. But, well, that, so that's <laughs> what my my question was going to be because obviously I think mm. obviously you you kind of became a bit more like I guess like active in inverted quotations in like 
just like before, around sort of like 2019-ish sort of thing. Yeah. So I, I guess like what was the kind of like period before? Because as you say, you were still a band and you were doing mm. bits and pieces there and there. So was it just a fact of like life and time or you hadn't really settled on what things were? Like why was there that kind of almost like lag before the acceleration sort mm. of thing? Uh, the lag before lags. <laughs> That's good stuff, Cal. Um, uh, so, yeah, w- me and Sophie at the time were in another band. We were playing in Ducking Punches, uh, which was another thing that just just started happening before I even knew it was happening. So we were doing a lot of touring with that. Uh, I don't know if Alfie was playing with maths at the time. I think Alfie probably had time on his hands that we, 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 we didn't, uh, you know didn't make the most of but um yeah at the time we were just touring loads of that and as that sort of came to an end it's when we realized that oh we've had this thing here the whole time that and I I, I think both me and Sophie really enjoy playing in Duck and Punches but it wasn't 100% like what we would be playing mm. and like it wasn't our songs either so I think we realized after like five years of doing that that it feels pretty good doing our own songs and like giving that a proper stab so i think it was more yeah just a a case of waiting around and being allowed that time made us commit to it a little bit more and then i think it was when we wrote the the, the song called heads go soft where i didn't even entertain the idea of singing and i just sort of did the the talky thing over it and it was a little bit more you know discordant and heavy compared to the stuff we had been doing and I think we all just realised that, oh, no, that, that works much better. Why, <laughs> yeah. why, why had we shied, shied away from that for like eight years or something? Yeah. Um, and just to quickly touch on it, obviously, with Ducking Punches, I, d- I didn't realise you were you were part of that band. So mm-hmm. obviously, I don't know, like uh, they were a band at the time that would do it, as you say, you were very active in touring. Because I remember uh, there was a period of time where like it felt like you were a band that was constantly on tour sort of thing. Yeah. So I don't know how I get, I guess, as you say, like, because it wasn't necessarily your band, but you were still mm-hmm. part of it. How was that kind of experience for you? And did, did that kind of like, I don't know, was it a bit of a, an easier ride because you weren't kind of in the driving seat in some aspects? Yeah, exactly. I think there was, we literally were just told, you know, Oh, we've got a tour in a few weeks and we go, yeah, that's brilliant. And we go along <laughs> and like, yeah there's not much preparation other than a couple of practices that go into it and it was a lot of fun uh on the most part but at the same time like we did some bigger tours so we did a tour with frank turner uh which i think maybe just realized that i i don't want to be playing big venues Mm. like on a support tour for like a a a big band it just felt yeah a lot of it even though we, we got to see some of the like places that i will never see again and like drive across like Norway and all these places to play like massive rooms it it felt so I'd never been on a band been on a tour with a band that we felt less connected yeah, to yeah. and like I, th- I think probably even though we were on tour for a month with them we probably exchanged like 10 words with 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 the other band and I think that was a nice realization that it's really cool doing that but we're still getting paid the same amount yeah. that we'd get paid for doing like yeah. DIY shows. And 
but th- with this we're having to drive 700 miles yeah, yeah. a day or something some, so yeah ridiculous and to get paid the same amount of money but like not feel like the connection with the people we're on tour with and like and the and the rooms we're playing to and everything so i think it was nice having because we also played loads of really nice diy tours with ducking punches so it was nice to have both mm. of those experiences and you know and as you say experience it from a bit more of a backseat because it was yeah i don't think it was ever like my whole precious thing so i could you know if we had a, a bad a bad gig or a, a you know a bad few days i could just go it's yeah, okay yeah, it's yeah. like you know it's not wholly my thing yeah so yeah so i think it was it was really good for experiences like that i think actually being in that band is where i actually learned how to be better at being in a band as well yeah which was helpful for what what came with what comes with the yeah. other half now so then as you say once that kind of dwindles and you you and sophie are back sort of and kind of like putting your your focus into into other half so like from there then like was it again was it a conscious effort of you guys going like okay we're going to put our all into this or did things kind of come a bit more sort of like naturally in terms of like you you're writing you're recording and then as you say things pick up and then lags kind of obviously gets that recognition so was it more organic or did you guys think like no let's put put like a focus on this kind of thing Mm. I think it was definitely a bit more of a conscious effort. I think we knew for a fact that we wanted to record an album for a start. So I think, first of all, that there was that one track we recorded that we then, we thought, rather than just stick that on Bandcamp, why don't we ask some other bands to do a split mm. with this? And I think this was a, already a time when splits were very out of yeah. favour. <laughs> yeah. Definitely don't make record labels any money whatsoever. They're definitely a huge, huge loss. So... I think we went out on a limb and like we we actually asked like oh well actually asked bands that we give a shit about they might not be up for it but then all three of the bands that we gave a shit about said yes which was amazing so it was grieving Yaraman and your poetry and then we we sent it to a couple of labels one of which being Venn Records not expecting anyone to put it out because I think even then we knew that it probably wasn't the most attractive offer mm. to a record label but then yeah lags listened to it and he said i really like it and yeah i'd like to put it out and having never like even entertained the idea of like approaching labels with music like having someone and like someone like not only that we knew and was like but someone that i'd obviously given a huge shit about when i was like 15 say yeah i'll do that mm. uh i think that was probably that that that's what spurred us on to go like well, let's go write some more of these songs if you know someone likes them enough to want to put one of them out and i think yeah we made the conscious decision to go record an album mm. and i think that's about as as careerist as i've ever <laughs> been with a band it's like oh well, let's record let's record a load of them and then ask if anyone wants to put them out yeah yeah so, so it was really nice that lags also was yeah wanted to was up for putting the the album out as well mm. after the split and then obviously like before we sort of side of this conversation I, I there was a couple of questions i posed to you to sort of like get a bit of a better understanding of, of what makes up other half and stuff and mm-hmm. obviously um one of the things i asked is kind of like what influenced you and i, I think like you're the, the way you've worded this is very good in terms of like saying 
that you've like it's experiences of like the very, the arse end of nights out and things like that and that kind of grubbiness and I think like now reading that and then putting that in the context of of the music of other half it makes sense but can you kind of just elaborate on on that a little bit in terms of like how you kind of transfer those experiences into your music Mm -hmm. I guess I think a lot of that stems from listening to bands that I came to a little bit later again so bands like Arab Strap who uh still like one of the bands I I try and rip off as much as I can that I'd never heard a band like really like dig down into like really grubby unpleasant stuff but Mm. like do it to a point where it didn't sound like it wasn't like being like deliberately ugly. It was just like talking about things that maybe not everyone airs in public a lot or yeah. like things that, yeah, you'd probably rather keep secret than, uh, than, you know, talk about over a song. But I think, yeah, things, but always doing it with like, like humor injected as well. I think mm. with those things, I never want like other half to sound like, like grizzly and maudlin or anything like that. Yeah. I want it to, be like a, a celebration of like life that is most unpleasant but the fact that you know it does happen and it's probably nice to talk about these things rather than you know thumb them away somewhere deep but so yeah a lot of the the way I write it'll probably be I will be going about my life and then I'll I'll take a I'll take a look at myself and go oh where are you now what's happening (laughs) and like and maybe just think i think it's time to go home and like it's it's things like that where i uh i'd like take an idea of and then maybe like elaborate that because don't get me wrong i i don't live a a truly disgusting life i i I just pick the the yeah the the more unpleasant unpleasant parts to to you know pick apart in songs yeah as a rule and like I could be. I could have got got the wrong end of the stick of this, but so please again correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. But because obviously, like as you say, like there's still that like humor and element to to it, sort of thing. And like as you say, it's kind of like that sort of looking at yourself in the the worst of times. Mm. And like obviously, listening to to your records, there is some element of self deprecation in there, sort of thing. So. I don't know, like, because of that, do you find that, like, people have found that, like, a bit more accessible? Because I think, like, obviously, you do have bands that talk about, like, as you say, the dirty, gritty side of things, but they do it in that more sort of serious kind of tone. But where you're kind of a bit like, uh, excuse me for saying this, but like, oh, I'm a bit of an idiot sort of hmm. sort of thing. Like, do you think that people have been like, oh, yeah, like, I've, I've had times like that and have kind of connected to the music a bit more i'd like to think so i mean i don't i think i never wanted any of the songs to come across like they have which sounds like the antithesis of what anyone would write a song about but have any sort of like agenda at all or they have like i don't think i'm ever casting my opinion on like the characters in the songs or the thing that's happening i think more than anything i'm just sort of documenting yeah the 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 less nice times that mm. i've experienced and i i think because i'm not passing any judgment i think hopefully that makes them you know it won't 
I don't know if it does like turn someone completely off it straight away, but because I'm not casting an, an absolute point about something, I think hopefully that means that someone can like live in that song a little more and like mm. decide what they want to think about it as well. Like I'm not doing any condoning or the, the opposite of anything, but I think it'd be nice if whoever's listening to that can make up their own mind about mm. the things I'm talking about. So hopefully, I mean, it was nice when we went on tour with Modern Rituals, uh, Rob from the band uh, just picked up like like a, a detail from one of the songs and said that that exact thing has, uh, happened to me. And then like, uh, and then he, he had a, another listen through to the song because of it. So that felt pretty nice that, yeah, yeah like, like because of talking about these things that hopefully it makes someone also realize that that they've maybe been idiots or experienced idiotic <laughs> things in their life and like it's i think it's good to talk about these things so you can grow grow past them anyway mm. and because as you say like even though you're not kind of like sort of casting it an opinion or or anything particularly like that like and i think this is obviously i know musically it's not necessarily a line but this is why like i think your lyrical style is very similar to to fucked up in some ways is that I kind of see you as like a storyteller. And I think again, something else that you said that you're really interested in, in is politics, but obviously like overtly, like there's nothing too political in other half, but I guess mm-hmm. if you kind of like scratch a little bit, but underneath the surface it's going to be there sort of thing. And I, I think like nowadays you can't, be in like a punk band and not be a little bit political or something. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like, again, like because of everything that you're experiencing in life and stuff like that, do, have you kind of like taken that kind of like quote unquote storyteller sort of like position uh, as, as what you're doing in the band sort of thing? Cause like, I don't know, like from like my perspective, like when, so bands that I have been in previously, I've done vocals very poorly as well. Um, but I'm, I feel like when I write, I'm very matter of fact, and it's very obvious of what I'm talking about, but because of the way that you're singing and, and producing your music, do you feel that you have to do it in a more kind of like narrative tone or is that just kind of come naturally to you? I think I find it much easier to, write like i'm like i'm telling a story i think in my mind that i've seen enough films to understand that there's certain bits you put in and what places and like whereas like songs are such like a a broad medium and like there's no like rhyme or reason or you know where when and where to say things like i found like the idea of writing like a really on the nose song i find that really difficult like i don't think i could do it and that's yeah as i was saying i don't not write political songs because I'm not political. It's because I don't think I've got the, the chops to do it with any <laughs> any, any degree of, of merit. But I think that you're right in saying as well that the the songs are political because they're about things that are happening in like my life and people I know's lives. Mm. And unfortunately the the dribble down effect is that everything's caused by the, the politics of what's going on. And yeah. The fact that all the songs deal with uh, less than pleasant stuff is is probably yeah it's all it all, all stems from what's going on in the world. Mm. But yeah, I, I I write 
like that because I find it easier and because all the the bands and people that I'm drawn to do that as well. So I think to a certain extent, I'm still ripping off bands, even if I'm just doing it, <laughs> I'm just doing it in a slightly less on the nose the way than I was 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's mm. fair enough. Um, and then as you kind of said, like with with Other Half, you kind of, you had that first single, but then you kind of wanted to do the album. And admit, I've got to be completely honest, like the way that I kind of discovered it was through Alfie, because I think he he posted it on on like his Instagram or something. Mm-hmm. And me, like, as I said, I've known Alfie for years, but like I hadn't spoken to him in a little while and it, it kind of popped up and I was like, oh, I didn't even realise like you were in a, in, in a new band sort of thing. So I checked it out and I was sort of like, this is fucking sick. But also because obviously when it came out, we were in the middle of a fucking pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think people were obviously hungry for new music and people were accessing loads of new music. So, and I, I hate asking this question because it does come across as a little bit insincere, but do you think that that benefited you because people had the time to sit down and listen to it and kind of absorb it rather than, as you say, like pick up the phone, put it on Spotify, listen to it once and then it's off into the ether sort of thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I think we all realized that, that, it it was something again where there, there's less there's less choice of things to do at the time. So <laughs> like yeah, people are gonna have to, you know, maybe commit a little more time to to things. But it yeah, it worked out nicely. I think once again, we just knew if we didn't release it then, we would be sitting on a record for like two years or something. Yeah. Or, or or we didn't know at all. It might be ten years before we could play it live. And if anything, I think like for us, it just gave us a little bit of a, a boost during a pretty horrible time mm. that we we put something out and we could just literally sit there scrolling on our computers, just seeing if anyone would like to, <laughs> which which gave which gave us something to do. But it, it was nice just to have yeah something that we'd done there and yeah people could make what they wanted of it, mm. and it also made it all the nicer when we actually could start playing shows as well because we'd had all those songs people that maybe had a time to like digest them mm. and then you know we didn't have to do the rigmarole of uh, playing a load of new songs that no one wanted to hear it was it was pretty nice that our first gig back people were like singing words the songs that we had never played live before yeah yeah. So, yeah that that felt that felt pretty good that's cool you kind of answered my next question so <laughs> that's cool um but then obviously like going from there obviously you did the the split with um, negative measures, but then obviously the the album that's just come out as well. Mm-hmm. But because obviously, as you say, that one came out in twenty twenty. New record came out last year. Once when you kind of um, dropped Big Twenty, did were you already kind of like working on soft action at that point, or or did it kind of come a little bit later? We were, and I think probably to the detriment of writing an album because I had so much free time I wrote like a a glut of songs (laughs) and because we couldn't practice in the same way that we were like all those songs were like near complete songs like 30 35 near complete songs that (laughs) then after the pandemic was over quote unquote that we then had to 
sort of we had to then sit with 30 songs and figure out what was good and what wasn't. Yeah, and yeah. I think I think we all realised that that is a, not a nice way to work as a band. <laughs> not the way, not 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 the way that we want to make things anyway. So yeah, so yes, we we were working on songs straight off the bat, and um, yeah, possibly to to to, to the detriment. Yeah. But I think I think in the end that we we got there. It's just it took a, a lot longer because also remembering which song is which out of 30 when they mostly sound the same anyway. It's a very difficult process. And then as you say, like, so when you kind of come back and do the start playing shows again, obviously you've got people that are sort of like singing the songs and stuff, but also I think, I think there was, obviously there was momentum behind like every band that was coming out of the pandemic, Mm. but because for many people, you were kind of like a fresh new band, despite, being a band for so many years kind of yeah. thing um and i don't know like did you kind of feel like the other side of the coin like the excitement that people had about your band as well oh yeah definitely i think uh I, yeah the last however many years it's been but that, that from the end of the pandemic through to what we're doing now has felt like the the best i've ever felt being in a band mm. and like it's been little incremental things like we've I've never been in a band really that's like done well in Norwich in like our hometown and so going from like a gig in Norwich feeling like oh people are actually excited about this and then the next one like the people that were excited about it last time I brought a few friends along and then yeah so the last few gigs have been uh, I, I, it really sounds like I'm blowing smoke up my ass but I've never really played <laughs> sold out gigs and they're, they're small rooms but yeah like, yeah yeah but but and rooms that feel like they all actually want to be there and that they actually you know want to hear those songs yeah but like yeah. all that has felt incredible and then just the fact that so during that time between the first album and the next album like uh that was when big scary monsters approached us and said that they they were interesting in putting interested in putting out the second album if we had one going and just yeah things like that where people were asking us if you know to be involved or if we mm. want to play gigs somewhere and stuff so yeah this whole time's felt pretty magic yeah i think and then just before i kind of started to round things off obviously and we've mentioned obviously you had the album come out mm-hmm. uh, towards the end of the year but obviously you've rounded off the year doing the the modern rituals tour which was kind of bittersweet because obviously they were calling it a day sort of thing yeah but I don't know, like, because I, I was lucky enough to be at the Bristol show, which for some of them was, well, for Harry, it was a hometown show yeah. and things like that. So, and it was, it, it kind of felt like a nice closing off for, for those guys. Hmm. So how was it for you to kind of like each night sort of like see them kind of like closing it off? Because I don't know, like, and I don't want this to sound very cliche, but because musically there are similarities Mm-hmm. but it, it like this is going to be, be me projecting a little bit but it did feel a little bit of pa- passing of the torch so like I don't know yeah how was it for you to kind of like witness them kind of calling it a day but you guys are now kind of releasing an album and then going off on your journey sort of thing I mean I think it was just lovely to see a band that we all genuinely really adored every night so but yeah it felt 
so I, I didn't necessarily know uh i don't think we knew that they were splitting up until like would have been like week two weeks before the mm. tour actually happened and so it was a a bit of a, a shock to hear but then from a, a purely a PR perspective we thought well people people might come to the show <laughs> <laughs> this this will be nice for both of us but um but no and then we we met them and it really did feel bittersweet because I thought that album is by far the best album they've ever put mm. out I think it I, I wish it had done better because I think it, it it sounds like it it could be like a, a massive thing as well but then yeah playing all the shows where every show was not only like good and well attended but people gave a shit and the promoters were like across the board like proper promoters doing it for the right, right reasons like yeah. giving a shit and like everyone who came to those shows was lovely and yeah it was just such a like it's the nicest experience I think any of us have had touring with the band and it's just a shame that we can't do that again now because they split up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah I think and it probably did help that it was like a bit more, you know, emotionally driven because yeah. it was their last thing. But also in a weird way, it like kind of felt like we were voyeuring on them, like on their last tour. <laughs> it's like, I don't know how, like, how involved are we? And, but, you know, with like their last outing as a band, yeah. didn't know if we, you know, should we like, Oh, should we leave them to that? Are they having, are they having a, having a, uh, you know, a moment all together? But in the end, it just turned out that, you know, we're all wonderful, awkward people and yeah, yeah. lovely and uh, a really pleasant experience. I don't know if I answered your question. At all no, there, no, but... no, you did. That's absolutely fine. Um, and obviously, from that, like you said, you guys are going to be hitting the road again. End of Feb is the start. No, March, I think. March, yeah. I, I should know these things, but yeah, March, <laughs> April. Um, but from that, are there any sort of cities that you're particularly looking forward to, to hitting up again? Are there new cities that you're going to? What are you kind of looking forward to most about that tour? I mean, I think it's nice now that we have places in the UK where I know we'll go and be greeted by lovely people. Yeah. So, like, it's nice to go to Leeds and play for Dirty Otter, who... Uh, the best little people in the world and same for Oxford where we've played a couple of times now and Divine Schism um, the people who put on the gigs there are really wonderful as well so I think it helps having those gigs where I know that we're going to be somewhere that we've been before and had a lovely time but mm. I think we're going to this is where I have to get my phone up and see where we're actually going Hang on. <laughs> hold your horses um where are we going with? Oh, that looks nice. Um, I mean, it's been a, a a joy going up to Scotland the last couple of times. Yeah. I think people in Scotland have been nice and receptive to things. Uh, still trying to find the uh, where we're going. Bear with me. I'm sure this makes great great audio. <laughs> um, where are we going? I've never played in Newcastle. Have you ever played in Newcastle or been to a gig in Newcastle? I've been to a gig in Newcastle. I've never played there though. How was it? It was pretty good, but it was a it was with a, like a very like metal band though. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of like long hair, head banging sort of thing. Cool. Well, I'll hope for that then. I mean, <laughs> yeah, looking at it, it's a lot of the places that we've played before and just been really good. So like going back to uh, JT Saw in Nottingham would be lovely. Yeah. Um, 
it all looks good. I couldn't, <laughs> I, I couldn't pick a single place. But That's yeah, cool. it's it's nice to just know that we as well that we can book a UK tour and we can book more than three dates. Yeah, yeah, definitely. In, in a row as well, which yeah, yeah. has not been necessarily been something that I've been able to do with all the bands I've been yeah. in. So that feels pretty nice. That's cool. Um, and as a, as far as like 2023 goes, is there anything else that you guys have got on the horizon that you can share or are things still kind of behind the scenes being talked about and, and planned out? I think more than anything, we'll, we will just try and jump on anything. So I hopefully we'll be playing a, a few festivals, which what might be nice because actually it would have been, would it be last year? Anyway, it was one of the first festivals that was allowed to happen after the pandemic, we played at Bigfoot Festival, yeah. which we thought might be a weird experience, but everyone there, I think they were just so happy to be outside with people. Yeah. That it meant that they literally, they sucked up every band that was that was playing and just really enjoyed music in a way that I hadn't seen people enjoy for a really long time. So unfortunately, I think I've got really lofty ideas of what a festival can be. Now. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. But, but hopefully, uh, yeah, there'll be a few things that get announced soon that we're doing but other than that i think we're we're writing for a third record already so hopefully there'll just be a lot of time for that as well because that'd be a nice thing to uh to keep up the momentum anyway i think i really like writing albums now so i just want to keep <laughs> that cool. going forever perfect um cal before i do let you go how i like to to end things is i always like to ask my guest what their favorite song is but with a bit of a twist so what's your favourite other half song that you'd like to play live and why? Uh, I would say that my favourite other half song that I like to play live is uh, Community Spirit, which is the last song on Big 20 that very few people have actually got that far into the record and heard. <laughs> but I, yeah, it's it does all the bits that I like songs to do and it's heavy and goofy and it's got a big bit at the end where we all hit things really hard. So Perfect. that one. Brilliant. Perfect. Well, Cal, thank you very much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Um, look forward to having you back in Bristol in a couple of months time. Yeah, and yeah great. really, really thank you for your time. Hey, thank you so much. Been a pleasure. No worries. Take care. Cheers. Bye bye. So there we have it, folks. Again, a huge thank you to Cal for having a little chat with me. Uh, as mentioned, other half will be hitting the road uh, across the UK towards the end of March, beginning of April. Um, I'll put links to all their social media in the show notes so you can find out if they're playing anywhere near you. If they are, I highly recommend going and check them out. They're a very, very fun band to watch live. Um, and yeah, just I would highly recommend it. So go see other half because they're fucking sick. Um, as always, we've got another guest lined up for next week so we'll be with you again next tuesday but as always whether this is the first time you're listening to the justin insight podcast or the 231st thank you so much it really really does mean the world to me um but thank you for stopping by and i will see you soon